0: Making Beyonce is supported by Fairy God Boss, a free career community where women can search for new jobs at the best companies for women, get career advice, join groups, and get the inside scoop about company culture. Ladies, there's power in numbers. Join millions of women on Fairy God Boss who are having honest conversations and sharing their experiences about jobs and workplaces. Visit fairygodboss.com today and get started. Where women empower women.
1: So many of these stories start this way. One woman speaks up. And then... I was just bombarded.
2: My Facebook account was flooded with messages. My Instagram was blowing up. I created an email for girls who knew anything, and that received a ton of emails.
1: Motive,
3: a new investigative podcast from WBEZ Chicago, follows a group of young women in their quest for justice abroad. Listen to Motive wherever you get your podcasts.
4: He wanted to be president of the United States. He
3: should run for president. The way he
1: looked, the way he spoke, convinced me that he was going to run for president someday. I was like, you here I be president of the United States.
5: Everybody's going to tell you that
6: Obama said from the beginning he would be president. I think he always knew. He was always going to be president. He was always going to be president.
4: I disagree completely. Do you know that this fool wants to be president?
0: Chicago political operator Al Kendall worked on Obama's campaigns and always believed in his potential, but he wasn't quite prepared when a friend called in the early 2000s to say the young state senator was thinking about his political future, and he was thinking big. I said, oh, shit. We started laughing on the phone. (laughs) Obama, your mama, he wants to be what? (laughs) We started
4: laughing, my side was hurting and falling out. He wanted to be what? He wanted to be president of who? Liberia? What were
0: <laughs> you talking about, man? <laughs> so you so at that point you thought it was kind of an outlandish idea or did Beyond you Beyond Outlandish. We laughed for like two hours on the
4: phone. My side was hurting. I then called my cousin in Louisiana. And then I called my best friend, and we talked on the phone, and we'll two
0: more hours. <laughs> From WBEZ Chicago, I'm Jen White, and this is a Making Obama Extra.
7: I stand here knowing... That my story is part of the larger American story. That
0: In our final episode, you heard about the Democratic National Convention speech that put Barack Obama on the national stage.
7: The hope of a skinny kid with a funny name who believes that America has a place for him too.
0: In that moment, people immediately started talking Obama for president.
5: People were running around, fighting and grabbing all the Barack Obama posters.
0: All of a sudden, you saw all these young white girls running around. It was like the second coming. Oh, oh.
5: Everybody all at once just said, this guy's going to be president. I want to keep proof that I was here for this.
0: In making our six-part series about the early political years of Barack Obama, we thought a lot about where to end the story. We decided that 2004 felt like the right place to stop because, well, we pretty much know what happens from there. But during our interviews, we couldn't help but ask people about the years following that famous speech and what they thought when just two and a half years later, a 45-year-old African-American first-term U.S. senator decides that he's running for president. So in this Making Obama Extra, we're going to talk about that announcement. The decision. Barack Obama was elected to the U.S. Senate in November of 2004. And at 8 a.m. on his first day in office, he was asked, are you going to run for president?
7: I remember laughing at the question because... Presumably, it would make sense for me to be sworn into my new office before I started thinking about the next one.
0: Obama on NPR in 2006.
7: Now, you know, with respect to 08, the only answer that I think is adequate is to say, if I ever decide that I'm running for president, I will have an announcement and everybody's going to be invited and I'll tell people I'm running for president.
2: I remember kind of our first conversation about it was in Hawaii one year.
0: Not too long after Obama gave that keynote address at the Democratic National Convention, his close friend, Marty Nesbitt, joined the Obamas on a short vacation.
2: We were out jogging or something, and we stopped and grabbed a cup of coffee and added all the calories back on that we had just burned off. And he said, uh, you know, what do you think the odds would be of me winning the president? And I said an answer probably that he didn't expect. I think I said, like, oh, you know, I think you have like a 0.7% chance of becoming president. That low. And he looked at me like, (laughs) and then I said, but, you know, look, I think Hillary Clinton has like a 5% chance. So, you know, don't take that the wrong way. And I said, I probably have a 0.0000001% chance of becoming president. So I said, look, it might be a small probability, but it's infinitely higher than anybody else. And I said, if I had a 0.7% chance, uh, you know, I'd probably run.
0: But by 2006, that 0.7% chance seemed to be getting bigger. The freshman U.S. senator from Illinois started to gain a lot of attention.
1: We talked about it around the time that he was working on Audacity of Hope
0: close friend of the Obamas, Valerie Jarrett.
1: The reaction that he received, not just in Chicago, but around the country to that book made him believe that maybe the time was right. By late 2006, Barack
0: Obama was hot. Obama-mania was in full swing. When he published his second book, Audacity of Hope, in the fall, it quickly became a bestseller.
1: You know, you are the, the equivalent of a rock star in yeah, politics.
0: You, you know,
7: the, uh, we, we live in a celebrity culture, and so I'm always a little bit suspicious of, of
0: the hype. And uh, Obama and, on and
6: the
1: Today
0: Show in life. 2006.
1: I know you don't want to talk about 2008. I know you don't want to, but I have the today's New York Times, yeah. the op-ed, David Brooks, Run, Barack, Run. Barack Obama should run for president. He should run first for the good of his party. <laughs> if your party says to you, yeah. we need you, and there's already a drumbeat out there, will you respond?
7: Well, uh, you know, the way presidential campaigns work these days, uh, uh, you're never drafted.
0: Obama was clearly dodging the question. But talk about a 2008 presidential run began to bubble up everywhere. And behind the scenes, he was thinking about it. Obama started to consider what a presidential campaign would look like and who he might want on his team.
6: Marty and Valerie came to see me for lunch one day in 2006.
0: Billionaire businesswoman and close friend of the Obamas, Penny Pritzker.
6: And they said that Barack wanted me to become his finance chair for his run for the presidency. And you could have knocked me over with a feather.
0: Pritzker was inclined to say no. She had two teenagers at home at the time. She was very busy with the family business. And she had no experience managing the finances for a national political campaign.
6: And I called my husband, Brian, and I said, there's just no way I can do this. And he said to me, come home. And I walked into the kitchen, and he crossed the room and started knocking on the door. And I said, what are you doing? And he's knocking on the door. And he said, this is destiny knocking on the door of our country. And you have got to find a way to help our friend. And off began, you know, what was a revolutionary campaign fundraising.
0: What was your reaction to his decision to run for the presidency? Well, that's a very interesting story. Newton Minow, Obama's friend from his early law firm days, has long been active in Democratic politics. He served in the Kennedy administration.
3: I didn't think he could or should until one day my wife, Joe, and I were watching c span and Barack was giving a speech in Iowa.
0: Now, if you want to run for president, your first stop is Iowa. That's because Iowa is always the first state to have its say in the primary
5: season. We talked a lot about Iowa.
0: Illinois politician Dan Hines lost to Barack Obama in the 2004 U.S. Senate race.
5: If there was any kind of lingering resentment that he beat me, that was gone because I I just really believed in him. And I said, I think you can win Iowa. I really do. I think being from Illinois and having the troops that can go over there and support you, I think you can win Iowa. And he's just like, it's all about Iowa. It's it's going to be all about Iowa.
0: And at the time, if you were a Democrat wanting to run for president, there was one event in Iowa you needed to go to.
3: We've had a lot of famous people here in the past. President Clinton's been here three times.
0: For over 30 years, Democratic presidential hopefuls would speak at the Harkin Steak Fry. And in September 2006, Senator Tom Harkin invited Barack Obama to be the featured speaker at the event.
4: I thought maybe we'd try something different this year. I thought, well... Why not try the kid next door? Welcome Barack
7: Obama to our state
3: club. We happen to catch Barack live. Thank you, Iowa. Giving a talk.
7: Not only are we going to have the entire slate of Democrats all across Iowa that we need to make sure that, that the House goes Democratic and the Senate goes Democratic, but more importantly, I think that we are going to restore the sense of hope and possibility that we have lost over the last six years
3: and when he finished i turned to joe and i said this is jack kennedy all over again he should run for president i could see how the crowd reacted to him
7: and if we do that i'm absolutely confident that we're going to capture the kind of america that we need god bless you Iowa. i love you god bless you tom harkin thank you
0: After the Harkin steak fry, rumors about a possible Obama presidential run spread like wildfire.
7: End uh, up uh, stretching out their announcement over the course of the year. But, but and they have four different announcements. I, I'm
1: sorry to interrupt you, but you could end all this today if you're talking about the speculation. You could say enough of this. You know, I'm going to run or I'm not going to run or let's not talk about this right now.
7: Well, let's not talk about this right now.
0: Senator Barack Obama on NPR in October 2006.
7: I'm focused on 06, and uh, if, I, if I decide to run for president, then uh, I'll make an announcement, and everybody will be invited, and that will end the speculation at that point.
1: The speculation continues, though. As I travel around Washington, I keep seeing these blue and white stickers that seem to be placed at eye level, so you catch them when you're driving around the city in your car, and they say, He's ready. Why wait? Obama 08.
7: I haven't seen those yet.
1: I've seen a lot of them.
0: Obama wouldn't make it official. But then some major celebrities started calling on him to run. There was Oprah Winfrey, who had never endorsed a presidential candidate before. Other big names like George Clooney, Halle Berry, and Will Smith followed. Then Obama appeared on the covers of Time and Newsweek.
5: I believe I was the first elected official in the country to call on Barack Obama to run for president and endorse him. Dan Hines. And I actually called him on the phone before I did it to give him a heads up. And we had a few laughs about it. He's like, well, you really should be calling Michelle because she's going to have your head.
0: Despite all the media appearances, the endorsements and the hype, Obama had a major concern. His family. In
3: December of '06, Barack came to my office and Barack said, um, we're leaving for Hawaii in a day or two to make a final decision whether I'm going to run for president.
0: Newton Minow. He
3: said, one thing that's bothering me the most and bothering Michelle is that I want to be a good father. I never had a father of my own. I want to be a good father. That's the most important thing for me. What do you think? So I remember I said, I think a parent's greatest influence on a child is not when they're very small. Your kids are very small. It's when they're teenagers. If you're ever going to run, it's better if you run when the kids are small. And if you got elected, which I doubt, I said, you'll be living above the store. You'll be with your kids all day long. So he's writing all this down. And I said, why are you writing this down? He said, I'm going to tell this to Michelle. Michelle.
1: Keep in mind, she's got two young children, and she wants a husband, and she wants a father present. Valerie Jarrett. And I think she knew that this was going to really be tough. And she pushed for the nuts and bolts of not just what the campaign expect of him— but what I would expect of them.
5: Has it put strains on the marriage from time to time? Oh, no. <laughs>
7: <laughs> Absolutely, it has.
0: In early 2007, the Obamas appeared on 60 Minutes. Part of the segment featured the family making dinner at their home in Chicago. Sasha and Malia were five and eight years old.
5: Does your dad do this every weekend? No, he used
0: <laughs> <needs> to. <laughs> what else does he make besides tuna fish?
2: Chili and that's
7: it. <laughs> 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 what about my what about my delicious cheese toast? Can I, can I you don't think that qualifies as, uh, no. as cooking, no. huh?
2: No, not
7: exactly. Listen, I actually used
1: to. Call and she before, was very committed to ensuring that married. the children's lives were not disrupted by this.
7: But you, you were saying the other day that uh, you have your husband,
1: mm-hmm.
7: and then there's this character.
0: Barack
1: Obama. Barack
7: Obama. That's mm-hmm. how
1: the kids see it. Yeah, yeah. there's Barack Obama. Yeah.
7: And and yeah. He's, he's, a, he's, he's an interesting, interesting guy. Fascinating. Right? Yeah. Fascinating. You might vote for him.
1: I would vote for but him. But
7: he has nothing to do. I want him to
1: run for office. Yeah,
7: he has nothing to do with the... the what
1: goes on here.
7: The guy who uh, doesn't...
1: Uh, put up his doesn't socks. Doesn't put up his socks. Yeah, right? no, two different people. And he spent a lot of time really thinking through not just was he ready to be president, but were both he and his family ready for what you had to go through in order to become president? Ultimately, he decided the time was right.
0: And finally, Barack Obama makes an announcement.
5: Here come the champions of the North, the Bears, their quarterback on the hot seat.
0: On a Monday night in December of 2006, 8.5 million viewers tuned into ESPN to watch the Chicago Bears play the St. Louis Rams.
5: Okay, folks, we're live in 3.
0: The camera two. zoomed in on Obama behind his desk
7: in Washington. Good evening. I'm Senator Barack Obama. I'm here tonight to answer some questions about a very important contest that's been weighing on the minds of the American people. This is a contest about the future. A contest between two very different philosophies. A contest that will ultimately be decided in America's heartland. So tonight, I'd like to put all the doubts to rest. I would like to announce to my hometown of Chicago and all of America that I am ready For the bears to go all the way, baby. Dun
0: dun dun dun! <laughs> <laughs> okay, so that was just a spoof that the Obama team organized with ESPN. But fast forward a few months. It's early 2007. Obama has finally made his decision to run for the presidency. He's chosen a day and a place for the announcement, he's written a big speech. And he's going to deliver it at the old state capitol in Springfield, Illinois. It's the place where he'd started his political career as a state senator just 10 years earlier. Thousands of people are expected to make the three-hour drive from Chicago to Springfield for the event. But there's one problem.
4: And he called me up and said that something has come
0: up. Reverend Alvin Love is one of Obama's closest friends and advisors. They go way back to Obama's community organizing days. Just a few weeks before the big day, Obama's team gets wind of a story that Rolling Stone is about to publish. It's called The Radical Roots of Barack Obama.
4: There's some newspaper people out who've got a story about a sermon that Pastor Wright has preached.
0: Reverend Jeremiah Wright was pastor of Trinity United Church, where Obama was a member. The Rolling Stone story highlighted some of Reverend Wright's controversial sermons, messages that were provocative and strongly critical of the U.S. government.
4: And then wants us to sing God bless America? No, no, no. Not God bless America. God bless
0: the article would also outline the close relationship between Wright and Obama. The release of the article was particularly bad timing because Reverend Wright was scheduled to give the invocation at Obama's announcement event. Obama turned to his friend, Reverend Love, for help.
4: He said, you've known me longer than any preacher around here, and so I wonder if you will come go with me and you do the the invocation. I said, fine, pick me up on your way out. (laughs) And a couple of hours later, he called me back and said, Rev, I've just decided I'm not going to have an invocation. I'm just going to walk out on that stage and make my announcement. And I said, well, if that's the way you're going to do it, you're already running late. It's 17 below zero out there. I'll watch it on TV.
0: The Reverend Wright controversy would continue to haunt Obama throughout the 2008 presidential campaign. But for now, Obama averted the crisis. So on February 10th, 2007, U.S. Senator Barack Obama approached the steps of the old state capitol building in Springfield.
7: Oh, what, look, look at all of it.
0: Look at all of you. It was a frigid, blustery winter day. But still, 17,000 people waited outside as Obama climbed the steps and took to the podium.
7: It was here in Springfield where North, South, East, and West come together that I was reminded of the essential decency of the American people. Where I came to believe that through this decency, we can build a more hopeful America. And that is why, in the shadow of the old state capitol, where Lincoln once called on a house divided to stand together, where common hopes and common dreams still live, I stand before you today to announce my candidacy for president of the United States of America.
0: Barack Obama wasn't the first African-American person to run for president. He wasn't even the first African-American person from Illinois to announce a presidential run. But with Obama, there was a sense that this time was different. This time, there was a feeling that history could be made.
4: And if you will
7: join with me in this improbable quest, if you feel destiny calling and see as I see the future of endless possibilities stretching out before us. If you sense, as I sense, that the time is now to shake off our slumber and slough off our fears and make good on the debt we owe past and future generations, then I am ready to take up the cause and march with you and work with you. Today, together, we can finish the work that needs to be done and usher in a new birth of freedom on this earth. Thank you very much, everybody. Let's get to work. I love you. Thank you.
3: You don't have any doubts that you're ready? No. Where do you get all this
7: confidence? (laughs) My wife asks me that all the time.
0: Making Obama is a production of WBEZ Chicago. I'm Jen White. The producer of this bonus episode is Candace Mattel-Kahn. Huge thanks to the mastermind behind the entire Making Obama series, producer Colin McNulty. The executive producer is Brendan Banaszak. Shout out to Joe Desom, James Edwards, Stefania Gomez, and everyone who had a hand in this series. Our digital editor is Tricia Bobita. And thanks to everyone who's chipped in to support WBEZ and our future podcasts. You can join them by going to wbez.org making.
1: Are you a power podcast user? Then try Pocket Casts Plus. Made for podcast listeners who want even more from their podcasting app. Pocket Casts Plus has more ways to listen, access to cloud storage, and more customization options. And we're offering a free three-month trial to elevate your listening experience. Find out more at pocketcasts.com slash WBEZ.
0: Hey, it's Jill, host of the Making Beyoncé podcast. If you love Beyoncé, you obviously love good music. Check out Vocalo Radio, Chicago's urban alternative for a mix of hip-hop, R&B, dance music, and more. Stream live at Vocalo.org.